Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Colony Drop, a Gundam podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Isaac. This is your favorite Gundam podcast where we talk about everything from the models to the anime series to upcoming projects like the live-action Gundam movie and everything Gundam-related. That's right. And guess what today's episode is, Isaac? It's a mail call. It's a mail call episode, everybody. That's right. We're digging into the mailbag today, everybody. We're going to bring up some of the best questions or comments that we've received across all the different uh, you know, media sources out there. There's a lot of good, a lot of good comments that people made that are worth talking about. Um, so we're going to we're going to talk about them. So we'll start with one of the more recent episodes, which was our episode about the UC Next 100 project, retcons, and Xeon turns good. Yeah. Uh, people had a lot of good reactions to this topic. Thunderbolt Gundam on YouTube. <laughs> he was very opinionated. He said, "I hope Sunrise Studios decides to retcon Victory Gundam and other some and some other late UC stuff, as it ruins UC as a whole and adds no significant value." <laughs> what do you think about that? Okay, <laughs> a retcon can work. All right, l- late UC. So I'm gonna say F91 and beyond. So that's gonna cover F91, Victory Gundam. Gaia Gear, if you include Gaia Gear in there. Uh, Geez, Savior. <laughs> yeah, okay, so that's a lot of content. Retcon all of that. That's a tall yeah. order, Brian. He's taking, I think a, he's it's, taking a blanket approach, man. Just, yeah, he's, just get rid of it all. <laughs> I know, like, ugh. He's, he's using a shotgun to try to kill a fly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he, he's, he's got an opinion and he's sticking to it. All right, Thunderbolt. L- let me just say this. I'll agree... If there's maybe a a Marvel Cinematic Universe level planned out timeline of how the late UC will unfold, none of this, you know, we hand off the project to this one team and they make, I don't know, Luna Gundam. And then the next team gets <laughs> handed off and they make, you know, I don't know, Jupiter Crisis Gundam or something. It's like, no, 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 no. We need something that really makes sense going forward into the future so we're not just stuck in, you know. 0079 side stories or something. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen all of Victory Gundam, but from what I read, it's a pretty heavy series. And by that, I mean Tomino. He was in depression when he was creating the series. So that's why it's also one of the heaviest series as far as um, you know character deaths and tone. Maybe that's actually something that should be recalled. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What do you I, think, Brian? <laughs> I mean, this is the problem you're going to run into with any retcon, right? There's going to be fans of Victory Gundam. They're going to be extremely pissed if you take it away. Uh, there's going to be fans of F91 that you know are going to be really pissed if you take it away. Like you said, though, if you take it away, you really have to have a good plan on what to do in its place. And I hopefully they're making one of those plans right now. I mean, you know, the name of the project is UC Next 100 Project, and I don't take that to mean that they're going to plan 10 years of the next, you know, 100 years of the UC. That hopefully they're planning the, the whole 100, and e- that either includes or excludes, you know, F91 and Victory Gundam. You know, while I like those series, why? You know, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I won't say I like them as much as First Gundam or Jaden Gundam or really, you know, the first 0079 through UC 100 time frame at all. But I, I guess I've always just kind of liked and accepted them because that's Gundam and that's what's been established. And, you know, it's just part of the canon. But I'll I won't say, say his take is unreasonable. I mean, he's yeah. certainly entitled to say, I don't like it. it. It's different enough that he or she thinks that it um, 
solely the universal century as a whole and he wants it gone. Yeah. Let me jump back and forth over the line. All right. Let me be on Thunderbolt's team for a second. All right. F91. I don't remember when the dub came out here in the US, but it's been out for a while. Ten years, maybe more. Um, I don't remember when I bought it. <laughs> I, okay, we'll, we'll put this as a time reference. I bought it back when Suncoast existed <laughs> and was like a viable place to get anime. Uh, <laughs> it's been more than 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. So F91's been around for a while. Crossbone Gundam's been around for a while. Are there a ton of fans for either? I'd say there's a good amount, but the average Gundam fan probably isn't too deep into those. And speaking of Victory Gundam, even less so. Okay, because there is no dub for Victory Gundam. And as we all know, if there's a dub for something, more people are going to watch it because it's more accessible and you get more fans that way. Sure, there's subs. Maybe there's a, a fan dub or something. But that's not the same thing. That said, yes, in that case, you know, there's not too many people rooting for these two series that have been around for a while. Sure, wipe them out. Make something new, fresh, creative that everybody can get behind and be really interested in. On the other side... I think maybe from a corporate perspective, Sunrise might think, no, we have this IP for F91 and Victory Gundam. It may be in the U.S. they aren't too big about it, but here in Japan, these have sizable followings that keep buying product related to Victory Gundam or F91. So for that reason, we're going to keep it. But you know what? I'm going to ultimately agree with Thunderbolt. Yeah, why not Redcon? Let's go for it. Let's let's be experimental. Try new things. Um, when they made F91, they didn't continue the story for numerous reasons. It didn't really work out. And uh, yeah, Victory Gundam was a a mental therapy project for Tomino. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I think that that might be the reason it's not as celebrated as it should be. <laughs> I'll say this. You know, no one knows what they're going to do, whether they're going to get rid of things or not get rid of things. I think it's highly unlikely that we get through the whole UC Next 100 project without some amount of retcons. Whether they're small, big, I don't know. But I don't think we're going to go unscathed throughout the whole thing. Nor I, should I, we. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about this in that episode. The, all those series are old. If you want to move it forward from a corporate perspective, from a finance making money perspective, they're going to choose what's what's best to do that. You know, not out of respect to the canon, I guess. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's your answer, Thunderbolt. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for wiping out decades of Universal Century history and warfare. <laughs> but I just thought that was interesting because. I don't know, when we made that episode, we thought a lot of people were going to be pissed, right? Yeah, yeah, but there must be more than one Thunderbolt out there, too, right? Yeah, for sure. Some people are like, oh, no, wipe that stuff out. It didn't work. It came out in, like, the 90s. We can move on. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks, Thunderbolt. Your uh, your opinion has been duly noted. Another user on uh, YouTube named Trev Firth commented that he really liked your suggestion about the Xeon and Fetis working together against a common enemy for a short period of time. So... You know, I think your I think your Xeon turning good or at least neutral idea might might have some legs, Isaac. It really I think makes everybody happy, right? On the one hand, you don't get Xeon wiped out, and then we never see them again because people love seeing Xeon in the mono Y mobile suits. We don't create some weird alternate history where Xeon wins or anything like that. And every series we've always had characters that are on Xeon or the Federation that we all liked by giving them a common enemy that's maybe trying to destroy the Earth sphere or something like that that gives them, you know, an actual reason to work together since they're trying to save themselves. 
that really gives us a, a way to have a series where we get to enjoy both of those characters together against something new, you know, a new opponent. But um, we went to detail in the other podcast. But yeah, I just I really see that as an ideal way for us to have Zeon and the Federation at the same time, but the only way that they wouldn't be fighting each other. Yeah, and Trev's comment goes well with I am me and not me's comment. I am me and not me kind of blended the Xeon is good idea as well as the Maneva idea together. He wrote the Maneva plot idea is cool, but objectively feels like a demotion from her current seat of power, a la Netflix Voltron. He says he thinks Xeon would serve the story better by becoming an institution dedicated to preserving the rights of space noids with their sort of armed forces slowly assimilating into the Federation and kind of getting paid for it. And then that could lead to more conflicts. Is that kind of what you had in mind with your Xeon is good idea? Or did you still think Xeon would be completely separate? I think he's going with an interesting angle on it. Yeah, I, I was thinking more that it's almost a peace agreement that um, that Xeon and uh, the Federation reach where, okay, maybe even just to, for show or whatever, we're going to have like a, a single fleet at least that that is a mix of our ships and our mobile suits. And we're, we're trying to make things work under Maneva. Um, yep. And then, you know, whatever enemy shows up from Saturn or whatever. <laughs> um, so then they have to work together now. And now it's about, oh, we have to protect the Earth sphere. We kind of have a common cause. But I kind of like his idea where Xeon kind of becomes sort of the space noid foreign legion or something like that. <laughs> yeah, because there weren't only people in Xeon wanting to fight for Xeon. If you remember Origin... They went to that colony where there was like mass protests and some people were pro-Federation, some people were pro-Zeon, and they weren't even in Zeon. What else was there? Gato from 0083, he's pro-Zeon, but he's from the moon. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't really have to be born on side three in order to be with Zeon. So I guess the idea of it being a a space-noid institution under Maneva kind of, yeah, that could work for sure. Yeah, I agree. Like we said before, Xeon is an idea that can't be killed. There you go. And so <laughs> it would be good to to see, see it evolve into that. Uh, but but uh, you know, I, I while I like where he's going with that, I don't know. I I take I take exception to the fact that Maneva um, as a pilot would be a demotion from her current seat of power. What do you What do you think about that, Isaac? I know you were shocked when I dared. <laughs> when, when I dared put the Xeon princess into the cockpit of mobile How suit. How dare you? <laughs> This shows that you're with the Titans. Uh, <laughs> only a Titan would think of this idea. <laughs> only a Titan would dare put Maneva in yeah. danger. All right. I think what he's referring to as far as Voltron is, I mean, not to sidetrack us into a Voltron podcast, but there's a character that's like, um, she normally stays on the ship because she's like the last of the species or whatever that built the Voltrons and all that. And uh, the Bill Voltron, and um, eventually she becomes a pilot. You know, big surprise. Yeah, Princess Allura. There you go. Yeah, she was yeah. from the Altaians. Okay. Demotion. By the way, by, by the way, I like how you pretended not to know that much about Voltron. Where you're like, <laughs> hey, she's from like an alien race or or whatever, and then you're like, yeah, she's Altaian. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> but just for the record, both Isaac and I really like the Vol- the Netflix Voltron show. <laughs> All I'm gonna say is Emperor Zarkon should live more. All right. <laughs> May he rest in peace. Maneva as a pilot. A demotion? Well, I feel like they can maybe initially start her off in the bridge because that's really where I think we would initially expect Maneva to be. But at some point, she can get her own mobile suit. She has to be in the mobile suit all the time. But maybe it's something like, oh, you know, we're in a crisis. We really need Maneva in a mobile suit. Uh, On the other hand, she really isn't that much of a fighter, right? 
I'm ambivalent about her being a pilot. I can see it being awesome, and I can see also see you know, Maneva as a sovereign of Zeon. Zeon officers and troops might strap her to the throne if they <laughs> if they had the the faintest idea that she might get into a mobile suit just to try to keep her safe. You know? Maybe maybe this idea is better as like a comedy comic where where it just follows a team that has to prevent Maneva from getting into dangerous situations. <laughs> Or it would be an episode in this series where, like, Medeva, like, I don't know, they're in some type of situation where the pilots are out of commission or something. Maybe they got food poisoning. So, <laughs> you know, Maneva and some other people that aren't the best pilots, they have to get into mobile suits. Oh, yeah, there you go. That works, too. So at, maybe there'll be a, a few comedy scenes with Xeon pilots and officers <laughs> trying to convince her not to step foot in the hangar bay. <laughs> Yeah, I guess to clarify, I didn't intend for her to be assigned to like a mobile suit team, meaning that she was not leading Zeon. I I always pictured it as it was her choice to to uh, to fight. So but I, I think, don't know. I, yeah, I think you raised this on the podcast we were talking about. That would so be like Dozel, right? She's his daughter, and her getting in a mobile suit to actually lead her troops into battle, man, that'd be a big yeah. callback. And I don't remember Dozel doing a lot in a mobile suit that earned him a lot of fame other other than just being in the mobile suit you know that that kind of rallied his troops but overall i don't remember reading anything or hearing about him being an amazing pilot but just his presence on the battlefield leading his troops was probably made a lot of difference in how they performed yeah um, i forget how many people were piloting the big zom well he had a zaku before that didn't he or a, a dom something we like had that. the he had the dom but i think in the i think in the lore he didn't actually use the dom like it was built for him but he never took it out yeah what a waste of resources by zeon <laughs> that's how we do things at zeon <laughs> <laughs> we hollow out colonies to build giant super weapons and then we we fry them on their their underpowered shot how do you fry <laughs> something on an underpowered shot i'm wondering about <laughs> You know, the Xeon has a lot of problems with shooting things, like yeah. the colony laser burned out, the the Mars Xeons, the reactor became unstable after one one shot. I don't know. If Minoski was still around, he would have patched up that solar ray in two minutes. <laughs> Garen would have been good to go. He would have turned that thing into an automatic weapon. <laughs> I guess if we assume that Minoski didn't defect, then really the Black Tristars are responsible for Xeon losing the war. But then again, how cooperative would Manowski be if they took him back to side three? That's probably true. No, probably not, not much. Gary, no, he would have made like a a bomb that like explodes at a certain point or something. Garen probably would have killed him anyway. So yeah, one of the more interesting ideas came from a user on Twitter named Workhorse Diesel. So he said, "So hear me out here. Far you see future new types are prevalent enough that they form a big government with abusive slash oppressive kingdoms, and it's normal humans that have to fight them in, in, with outdated mobile suits and guerrilla tactics, outmaneuver, outsmart them, kind of like uh, the boys." And he he mentioned that you know your protect that could get you a protagonist who's that's an underdog, uh, you know, could lead to a lot of you know dirtier down to earth combat, similar to Eighth Team, multiple factions. I kind of like that idea. I do think that's probably further past the next 100 years. You know, new types becoming a, a majority powerful enough seems... I still feel like they're a little... Not everybody's a new type, you know, by by UC 100. does seem a little further in the past or in the, in the future. I don't know. What did you think about that one? I feel like it's almost like an interesting what-if universe. Like, what if in the distant future there aren't necessarily 
tons of new types, but they are just so much more powerful than the current 0079 U-types. And yeah, maybe they were able to turn the king new type of each side is able to really rule that side as an independent kingdom. It's just this this hellish dystopia where new types kind of oppress old types. I can see where he's going with it. It sounds like a pretty interesting idea. What kind of, I think, maybe throws a bit of a, a wrench into the engine is um, how are old types in old mobile suits <laughs> going to compete with, yeah. like, you know, super advanced futuristic new types in whatever you know insanely powerful mobile suits they're supposed to build in a way it feels almost like uh, iron-blooded orphans just because it'd be you know the scrappy the scrappy rebels against the way overpowered technologically advanced dominant power i think you can maybe make it work by having a uh, a gundam jack that's really the only way it'd work right you know they have these powerful old new types that rule this future society and um They've built these new Gundams, and who steals it? These these old type rebels, and then now they're going to use these Gundams to try to liberate, you know, each independent kingdom in the Earth sphere, something like that. So I can see it working. It's an interesting idea for sure. You get the whole underdog factor, right? Just like the boys, where there's normal humans going up against these really evil, superpowered beings. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I agree with your your same problem that you arrived at. You, you just have to solve the problem of how do you equalize the combat. Because what we've seen up to this point in Universal Century, I don't see how an old type is going to beat a new type in combat. So if you if you solve that problem or if you introduce an equalizer into the story, then yeah, I think you've got a pretty good series there. Yeah, this is cool because it's almost kind of like a um, an alternate timeline in which the Federation does get overthrown, but you know it ends up being just sort of the post-apocalypse ruled by these new type warlords. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. Pretty cool. I like it. Interesting idea. Thank you, Workhorse Diesel. <laughs> yeah, good, good one. Let's see. So th- that topic of if, you know the UC Next 100 and retcons was really popular. Another really hot topic seemed to be the live action movie. Isaac, people have a lot of opinions. <laughs> I mean, they should because <laughs> this will kind of make or break live action Gundam in the U.S. Right? <laughs> That's true. That's Possibly true. break. I don't. <laughs> I, I have mixed feelings each day, like how I think this is actually going to go down. You know, it, yeah. it might it might get a uh, Pacific rimmed. <laughs> <laughs> no, please no. Yeah. So we'll we'll start off with a softball here. But a user on YouTube named Kiryu Sanagi or Sanagi said that he or she would cast Mark Hamill as General Rebel, and I think that's great. I love that casting. I don't know. What do you think? Mark Hamill. <laughs> he's at the age, and as we've seen recently in his recent performances with a beard, he could absolutely pull it off as as General Revel. But I feel like if we did that, we need General Revel to almost have like a a bigger mentor role in the series, just because you know it's Mark Hamill, and w- whenever he's on screen, and like a lot of characters, he kind of gives a lot of you know advice, and it, it'd be a shame not to get. Enough, not to get our money's worth of Mark Hamill. <laughs> so yeah, I agree. my concern with that would be, okay, are we taking away from whoever gonna, whoever's going to be Bright Noah? Because he's supposed to be the, the surrogate, you know, the father of the ship, a father to his men and women. But um, Mark Hamill could absolutely do it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess if we get General Revel in the movie, I would hope that we get to see him at least as much as we did in Origin in that <laughs> kind of context. That's a lot screen time in a two-hour movie brian yeah i don't think you well, know what you're yeah. asking <laughs> well compressed compressed for the two hours do we um, get to see him run in zero uh, g again we better uh, well it wasn't zero g but it was close enough 
whoever plays General Rebel, ha- that has to be part of the audition. They have to attempt to do the penguin run. We put one of those like pregnancy suits that they give <laughs> so teenagers in like high school can understand like the weight of a pregnancy. Like we put that on Mark Hamill and we just have him run and link, I don't know, gravity boots or something. <laughs> Bouncy shoes. Hey, gotta thin that herd, man. People are gonna want to be in this movie. You gotta you gotta make a choice somehow. I like it. <laughs> so that you know, Kiryu clearly is looking forward to the movie, coming up with some casting choices here. Uh, there's another user, uh, Wild One, Wild One Mind, Mind, Wild One. How the hell do you say that? Wild Will One D- Mind, Mind. Will the One Mind, Mind. Oh, Will the One Mind, Mind. Will the One Mind, Mind. <laughs> there's another user. <laughs> Are we about to summon a demon? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. We keep saying this over and over. <laughs> <laughs> there's another user on YouTube, Will the One Mind, Mind, who he's pretty skeptical. He's pretty skeptical about this film, Isaac. Wrote us a pretty lengthy note. You know, a live action Gundam movie takes all the things that work against Western live action anime to the next level. You know, he says, look, sets and technology of Gundam would require a huge budget. And just beyond the Gundams, it would go to all the tech, you know, the homes, the cities, the colonies. The, the military tech is different. There's transport ships, bases. Oh, you know, my God. All of the capital ships. The zero gravity being you know pervasive throughout the show uh costumes he, he thinks the costumes are going to look corny and cheap you know mm-hmm. and i think i think he's worried about it <sighs> what, what do you what do you think about that i mean it, you know my response to him was let's assume a big budget i mean i think we're assuming a big budget here right massive uh, yeah i mean we we have to assume this is at least a 200 million dollar film i think this is probably this is meant to be a, a tentpole blockbuster for sure I think he's certainly right to be skeptical, but I don't know what's your take. I agree with I disagree with him on all fronts. I mean, it it sounds like he thinks we're gonna have to build these things. Like, oh, there's too much tech involved in the transports, Brian. <laughs> in the site, the colonies. How are we gonna design the colony? It's like you, with the magic of computer graphics and generation, we'll be able to pull it off very well. And I can understand the concern because it's an old franchise, but. You can say the same thing about Star Trek and Star Wars. And we have a Star Trek series that's on CBS. We've had Star Trek movies and Star Wars movies come out recently. So you can kind of take the general aesthetic of the original series, give it a uh, a bit of a facelift for the modern times, and just bring it back, update it. It's completely doable. You know, like those those horrible updated Aliens movies that they keep making, right? Was it Covenant <laughs> and Prometheus, you know, for a yeah. movie that came out in like the 80s? They just do a facelift for some of the equipment and all that, and they just keep it the same. It's, it's going to be a xenomorph running around killing people. You know, all the <laughs> movies are the same. And I think this can be done well as long as it's not made to look like they pulled it from the, the 70s and keep the exact, you know same color palette and all that just just modernize it update it and it's gonna work just you know don't worry about it It, our our biggest worry is the story (laughs) visually (laughs) i think that they know how to get the gun to work right we saw it in ready player one and we've seen uh, big enough robots in pacific rim so it's doable yeah i agree i think it's doable i think where he's right to be concerned is it's doable as long as maybe this is redundant but it's doable as long as it's done right so you've got the success stories of Star Trek, uh, Star Wars, the, the Alien movies. They look great. I don't think production value 
is the problem. Right. I think maybe maybe what he's worried about is maybe he's thinking of maybe some less successful you know adaptations. Like for example, I know there's people who really love Starship Troopers. That didn't really end up well. <laughs> there's people who, I mean, up until this new Dune movie coming out, I think there were a lot of people who maybe were disappointed in the older Dune movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe he's more leaning towards, well, not all these things work out and maybe only the really, really big ones do. And how do we know that Gundam is going to be one of those successes? Like maybe they're just going to cheap out and, and totally, you know, totally ruin it. Um, yeah, so, possibly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they could, he could be right. You know, it could so, be a train wreck. You know, we're, we're just, could... <laughs> <laughs> we're going to hope that you're wrong. Well, yeah. uh, will the one mind mind. Yeah, we talked about this in the movie episode, but for all we know, the story's going to be about how after a terrorist attack, the U.S. government decides to build a Gundam to fight, <laughs> to fight you know, these, these terrorist mobile suits or something. <laughs> all right? Well, for all we know, that's the story. Yeah. We don't know. For all we know, it's going to be, you know, just about a, a fleet battle in the Gundam. It's anybody's guess right now, but visually, I think it can be done well. Hopefully, they make it look good. But, you know, there is such thing as bad graphics, bad designs, you know, things like that. It's just, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. We can only hope. Yeah. So that was one of his concerns. Uh, the other concern he shared was that, you know, I, I think our suggestion that you know Bandai Sunrise and, and Legendary would, would dare not make it connected to any other form of Gundam media, you know, meaning it would be an original story. Uh, I don't think he was too too thrilled about that idea. I mean, you know, his opinion was, look, if you make it, if you detach it from everything else, then it doesn't tie in to 40 years worth of IP that people can go consume. And I, I get that. I, I remain unconvinced uh, that you know an original story is a bad idea. I think I'm still on the I'm still on the uh, the side that it's it's really hard to get someone to buy into something that connects to 40 years worth of of, of canon if they've never heard it before because I personally think that this film is is aimed at new fans. Maybe your opinion on this question depends on who you think this film is for. Yeah, and also what kind of film you think it is. You know, this really hinges on what exactly are we going to see because once the trailer drops. Fans are going to be able to look at it and hopefully be able to say, oh, you know, that's the Gundam hijacking, you know, oh, we're going to get to Solomon, maybe Solomon's going to be the end battle, or oh, Odessa's going to be the end battle, who knows. You know, we're going to be watching the trailer going like, oh, that guy has to be bright, you know, there's Kai, blah, blah, blah. Whether a new story would be worse than the current established story, I think it really depends on the quality of the story itself. For all we know, there's an amazing original story they want to tell with Gundam. They're going to view it as sort of a, a one-shot universe they're making. It's going to have maybe nods to 0079, but it's going to be great. Or, on the opposite side, uh, for all we know, they watched a few episodes of the original series, <laughs> and they're like, you know what, we can condense that into a movie. And once they release it, it's going to have bad pacing, very bad writing and it might not work even though it's technically following you know the beats of the first 10 episodes of mobile suit gundam we don't know yet we can only hope for the best and i think ultimately it just comes down to a good story is going to be a good story yeah i agree and i, I guess i want to bring up that i don't think making an original story detaches it completely from 40 years worth of ip you know, if you look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the DC, um, you know, film universe, 
they are their own timelines, but they're not they're not set in the same canon as the comic books. But after you see the movie, you can go to any comic shop and the movie is similar enough that you can, you know, get into the comics and consume that other media in, in whether it's video games, comics, you know, novels, uh, you know, what whatever. When when we say original story, I, I don't know. That that's what I'm kind of thinking. That the original story would still be similar enough that if someone wants more Gundam after they see the show, they can, they would not feel alienated if they wanted to go find <laughs> find more of that of that content. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this, Will D one mind mind. I will be groaning with you if we see a scene where like the Gundam's next to the Statue of Liberty holding like a giant American flag <laughs> after the battle, like right before the credits roll and like they play like a really loud rock music or something. <laughs> <laughs> you and I, you and I will both throw like our, our popcorn at the screen. <laughs> so I assume then that you did not like the end to the original Spider-Man movie oh, directed, by, directed by Sam Raimi. It, it was a different time because that was, God, what was that? 2002? No. The, yeah, around 2001-ish, I think. So yeah, probably around 9/11-ish. Okay, so I, it might have happened before then, but um, that that was a little different. You know, it would have been different if Spider-Man like swung, <laughs> swung to Ellis Island and like <laughs> the Statue of Liberty was behind him, and then the American flag, and I don't know, he salutes or something, and you know, you you show a bunch of terrorists that have been like strung up in his web. <laughs> <laughs> then I would have been like, oh boy, really? They really went for it? <laughs> the last thing that I thought that was interesting that he brought up was that I think he, he's probably rightly pointing out that maybe the, the, the way that American companies and Japanese companies go about adaptations is, is different. He, he's saying that basically Jap- the Japanese approach is to use the film to boost the popularity of the other IP, whereas I think the American approach is probably we're going to adapt that IP and, and our adaptation is going to be the, the main moneymaker. I think yeah. the question there is we don't really know who's exactly in charge or what the goal is. I mean, obviously Bandai is involved, Sunrise is involved, but Legendary is involved too. And I'm not sure which philosophy is going to win here, but I would imagine it's more of the American philosophy if you're coming to an American studio to make the film. I wonder if he knows more about like manga than we do, because from what his comment was saying, it almost seems like he believes that you know, Americans are just kind of more visual, right? We just want to see like the anime or the, uh, the OVA, the movie, yeah. but in Japan, the anime or the film is designed to sort of supplement a manga series. Yeah. So maybe he's saying that, I guess just because of Japanese culture, they're, they read mangas far more than Americans, which I'll buy, but I don't think it's necessarily, I wouldn't say it's that cut and dry. I would say that, there have to be Japanese fans that are they couldn't care less about a manga series. They want to watch an anime series or an OVA. You know, here in America, obviously, overwhelmingly, manga isn't that popular compared to the number of fans that would be consuming anime series or OVAs. Yeah, I think bottom line on this topic, if you come to America and you're 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 going to put out a blockbuster film, you need to make a lot of money on that film because it costs a lot of money to make that film. So yeah. you're you're aiming for the widest audience possible. That's my opinion, and I think I'm I'm sticking to it. I think that's what we're gonna see. Whether or not that turns out to be a good thing or a bad thing for us as as a Gundam fan, and I think for Will the One Mind Mind as a Gundam fan. I mean, clearly he's a big Gundam fan because he's very you know he's concerned about this. So who knows? This this may not end up being a great project for for fans uh, like us who who like the established canon, but maybe it'll create a whole bunch of new Gundam fans. <laughs> I don't know. It could be our Phantom Menace in the Gundam <laughs> universe. 
a whole movie about comment, trade wars. Comment below if you think this this is winding up and it's I don't know. Place your bets. Is is this live action movie going to be the Phantom Menace of Gundam movies? <laughs> going to oh. be a scene where a kid says, I'll do a barrel roll. That's a good trick. Oh, no. Yeah, like a Fortnite reference or something. His Zakus are, like, shooting at him. <laughs> yeah, what if the Zaku dabs or something, you know? Oh, God. Yeah, in the background, you have to look for the Easter eggs. Like, they're yeah. oh, man. that stupid Fortnite dance. <laughs> okay, so if, if, the worst, if, if the worst outcome is it's the Phantom Menace, what's the best outcome? <laughs> the like, best what, what, yeah, like what is the what is the analogous movie? Okay, here we go. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. I love this. I hope you're sitting down. I am. <laughs> I hope the listeners are sitting down too. <laughs> the best outcome is that this is a kickoff, and it becomes the Iron Man of Gundam movies, and it starts just a chain reaction of follow-up movies that builds a whole Gundam universe for the big screen. That was actually the exact thing I had in my head. Was in my it mind. Right? It was. It was. Because in my mind, I've always Only felt... Only a Titan would take my credit. <laughs> Not Iron Man specifically, but I was thinking, best case scenario is Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Right? You do not make this film with that big of a budget, with at least the thought of future films. With, with at least a plan. Maybe Now, granted, the first one has to be a one-off, has to conclude 100%, because you may not get to make a second one. So you, you can't build it into the first one, for sure. But you have to at least know that what you're doing, you need to do it well enough so that you can make more, make and make a lot more. And I'm sure that that's, the, that's their goal. If this is done right, they will have penetrated the American market and the minds of American consumers in a way that really has not been done since i don't even know what to compare it by since i don't know the, the americans first tried sushi and it took <laughs> off <laughs> right like you you heard you it do, here if first you do something <laughs> right if you do something right you do it right and everybody finds out about it and everybody wants it yeah so yeah i don't know i guess uh, i guess we're we're a little more optimistic than you are we'll do one mind mind but you know i think you're right to be concerned I'll so, say we're cautiously optimistic yeah. because we're fully aware this could phantom menace itself. <laughs> if um, if it phantom menaces at the box office, then you know Isaac will buy you some phantom menace merchandise or something. Well, yeah, we'll we'll get some Jar Jar figurines. We'll have a Jar Jar episode. <laughs> I don't know. We'll 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 hang up our hats and like say you know Sunrise, you 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 did this to yourself. We're becoming a Voltron <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Episode, uh, episode one why emperor zarkon should have lived <laughs> comment below if you think it's going to be a phantom menace or an iron man <laughs> and then last note on the uh sort of live action film topic is um the same user as before kiryu uh, sanagi or sanagi he's back he or she here yeah he's back or she's back and it, you know he, he or she wanted clarification about what uc2 is uh, within the uc next 100 project Again, on the, I think on the board during the presentation, it was described as an, or was labeled as an overseas drama. So a lot of people have assumed that that is the live action movie. And I think during during all of our talking about it, I think we've we've always assumed that UC two is a, is a sequel for Unicorn. However, I don't think anyone really knows exactly what UC two was meant to be. The sequel to Unicorn is is our that that's kind of our guess what it is because UC was the you know the the abbreviation for Gundam Unicorn, you know, if you go look up the logo, it, it, it says Gundam UC, which is very confusing, right? Because Universal Century is also UC. Yeah. Um, 
so that you got that fact. That was the abbreviation for Unicorn. Unicorn was a very successful series for the franchise, sold a bazillion model kits. Incredible. Um, and the characters that you would expect to be left are still left after the film. Spoilers. And I would follow Maneva into a black hole. <laughs> <laughs> in my dom. <laughs> in, your, in your dom, your customized space dom. My, my customized heavy weapons dom. <laughs> The built-in bakery. <laughs> and the last point I will add to this is... Uh, wait, hold on. Did you just hear Dom at a built-in bakery? Yes, it's big enough that we could put a bakery in the back. <laughs> you oh. never know when you need cookie dough in the middle of combat. <laughs> well, that could be it. That could be a good episode. Like, what, what, how would you, what would you customize your mobile suits to be? Oh, wow, yeah. What food would, would you want? Take... The, the, and the, la- the last point I'll make on this is why we think it's going to be Unicorn 2 is that uh, the, the unicorn author was there at the presentation and he told everyone to forget that they saw that slide. So those three things make me think it's unicorn too, but it very well could not be. And maybe we've already seen the last of Maneva Zabi and uh, no. our pal Benadra Lynx. But um, no one knows, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I can live without Benadra, but Maneva has more to tell <laughs> in the story of Gundam. Yeah, bring back Maneva. I think that's what we want. Bring back Zeon. A user named Adam Knight brought up a really interesting point that I did not know about about awesome Iron Blood and Orphans. By the way, is is Adam Knight a reference to something? I don't know, but like, doesn't that sound so Batman? Like, Adam Adam Knight was like the school bully that Bruce Wayne used to <laughs> used to fight at the at the Gotham. You know, I don't know Gotham Academy. <laughs> yeah, it does sound like a very well-established superhero yeah. name, right? Became, like <laughs> became the supervillain uh, Bloodstain or something. <laughs> Agree. Yeah, it sounds like a, a superhero that was come up with in, in like the sixties and seventies when you can get away with simple, you know, names like that. Yeah, Adam uh, Knight. I'm gonna say you either fight crime at night or you are the criminal. <laughs> Adam Knight, are you Batman? Yeah. Please listen. Are you the Are you the one who slayed the bat? <laughs> So he brought up a really interesting point that I didn't know about. I guess neither of us have watched um, Build Divers or, or Build Divers Re-Rise. But apparently, there are no gunpla in the show from Iron-Blooded Orphans. And he takes that to mean that perhaps that's because they want to make more Iron-Blooded Orphans. And they don't want to, I guess, reveal any more suits or designs from the, sh- from the show. Because as we talked about in the Iron-Blooded Orphans review... According to the lore, there were 72 Gundam frames made, and we we didn't see anything anywhere close to 72 frames in the show. You know, they they got a lot left to fill out here. I think between the show and all the side stories, there's maybe 20. And you know, there there has been rumors of like a season three or some sort of sequel over the years. And obviously, nothing has come of it yet. But uh, I don't know. What do you what do you think about that, Isaac? I'm curious about like production time. For all we know, when they were working on Build Divers, they didn't have access to the designs because they were still underway, or maybe they weren't finalized, so they just didn't include them in. My my headcanon instantly says, okay, Build Divers is clearly, as we've said before, it's the Pokemon of the Gundam series in a way, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, the kind of Yu-Gi-Oh, battle it out, whatever, Fortnite. So for that reason, these kids aren't going to watch Iron-Blooded Orphans because it's so damn violent and dark. Well, that's fair. So there's no way they'd ever select those mobile suits or maybe even the parental lock on like the little Gundam arena stops them from selecting those mobile suits. 
<laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. I I doubt we'll ever see a sequel of Iron Blooded Orphans that has seventy two Gundam frames. There's just no way that. How would that even work? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know that we'd get all seventy two at once, right? But you know, maybe the next show they they show ten more. Or, I mean, you could definitely show a lot of them if you if you made a Calamity War movie, right? Yeah, um, yeah. That, that would they'd all be at their peak at that point. Yeah, you couldn't necessarily focus on them, and they're right. definitely not going to make seventy-two models. Yeah, for but, sure. Um, well, probably... I don't know. Don't mm-hmm. don't you don't you test Bandai now? <laughs> Jerry, do you it. listening? Are you listening? <laughs> we just got delivery of like seventy-two models. Like we did it. <laughs> we did it just to, just to spite you. <laughs> you Americans are all cowards. <laughs> you have no faith. <laughs> no faith in the IP. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I think I think the production time is a good point. I, I think that definitely makes sense for probably Build Divers, but I mean, Build Divers Re-Rise, that's either still going or just finished. So I, that one, they definitely would have had the designs for Iron-Blooded Orphans. So I don't know. I think it's a little fishy. Maybe. I, I like the but, sentiment. I don't know. But, but you're right. The, I don't know if the Pokemon kids are watching Iron-Blooded Orphans. I have a feeling for every Gundam build like battle, you know, because there's just so many battles that happen throughout that series. They're probably looking at like a whiteboard with a ton of post-it on it that have like every conceivable model <laughs> that's ever been in any Gundam series. And they just, you know, get in a room, all, a few dozen of them, and they're just maybe kind of yelling or voting about who they actually want to see in the battle. And maybe Iron-Blooded Orphans doesn't win. I mean, I've had some issues with how their Gundams looked. You know, some of them I thought weren't very Gundam-ish. I, and also the foots, the, the foots, the feet. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the stilettos. <laughs> Well, that's fair. Maybe that's a good point. Maybe they don't put them into the show because their their designs. Maybe they look too different when placed next to the rest of the. I'll say more normal Gundam designs from other yeah. shows. You also have to keep in mind since Build Divers is such a not over the top. It's a very flashy show. The fact that there aren't any beam weapons in Iron Blooded Orphans kind of pulls. It it takes some points away from their designs. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So. I, I feel like compared to other series where, you know, they're just covered in weapons, <laughs> beam weapons especially. I'm looking yeah. at you, Gundam <laughs> Um Yeah, you can definitely uh, get more bang for your buck if you swap out an iron-blooded model with something else that's more flashy. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. So Adam Knight, you know, again, let us know if you, if you fight crime. Uh, I like where your head's at on this one. I think Isaac's not convinced, but I'm, I'm going to hope that your conspiracy theory <laughs> is correct. And maybe you will turn something up on your nightly prowls through Gotham City. All I know is Gallahorn would win in any <laughs> new Iron-Blooded Orphan series. <laughs> Why even try? Yeah. We had, we had an interesting hypothetical from a user named Yakushiki123. <laughs> that, that was, uh, what would win, the solar system or the colony laser? Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I got to say, in my mind, that one's pretty clear. I'm voting colony laser the whole way. So I'm going to assume they're both deployed. They're both facing each other. <laughs> yes. I'm trying to think like. Well, let's do it two ways. If they were deployed <laughs> and if they were, if they were deployed and both facing each other, what do you think would win? I feel like, all right, I'm not trying to get out of this with my answer, but I feel like it depends. All right. If the colony laser manages to hit the control ship for the solar system, the colony laser wins. Because as we saw with Gato, once that control ship is down, the solar system's over. So, I mean, to beat a solar system, you pretty much have to knock out one ship. Yeah. With the colony laser, I feel like the solar system, well, we've seen it cook an asteroid. I guess it's conceivable it could cook a colony. 
I just, I don't know. I think you're right, Brian. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to switch. I'll okay. agree with you. The colony laser would win just based on its speed. You know, it can it can shoot and fry things pretty quickly. The solar system, you kind of need to boot it up. Once it starts getting cooked, it's not instant death. You know, it takes a while to, to destroy them. Okay, so then, so that maybe that's, you know, versus each other. But which one would you rather have strategically? I think the solar system wins because we know that's fleet mobile. You can carry that around, move that around. The colony laser, I think it has to stay in the, in the Lagrange point, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's colony. Can't really, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, the only time you're moving it, you're you're kind of, I guess, risking a colony drop, which maybe yeah. you want to do, but then again, you're <laughs> going to lose your laser ability. <laughs> but yeah, I have always felt the solar system. Well, you and I both feel the solar system is pretty underrated and underused. Yeah. You know, it's it certainly seems more affordable and economical than the colony laser, right? I yeah. mean, we're essentially just building mirrors. <laughs> so. <laughs> God, cost-effective wise, if they if it is cheap, how come every fleet doesn't just run around with the solar system? You know, yeah, the, mo- that's the true. moment they see a Xeon fleet, they just deploy it and cook them. <laughs> Actually, maybe it's good that never happened because if that system was still around, when the Titans were running the show. Oh boy, so many systems, <laughs> so many, so many colonies would have just been cooked for like the smallest level of rebellion. <laughs> maybe they would just like wall off the Earth in a solar system. <laughs> and just start cooking everything. Yeah, just, just, just as soon as you get close enough, just, it just cooks just you. Just a disco ball at the yeah. center, <laughs> yeah. the center of the Earth sphere. Yeah, exactly. It's like a uh, like a reverse Dyson sphere. If you know what a Dyson sphere is, <laughs> we we it's just dark inside. We project we <laughs> light out. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I, I think it's one of those things where the colony laser is great if it works. But it's like putting all your all your chips on on you know black or something. Because once you fire it, it better have worked because now everyone knows where it is and they're all going to come kill you. The solar system is probably more effective in the long term because, like you said, you can move it around and you can you know, use yeah. it many, many times. So also, I guess it probably just yeah. depends which, which one of those you want. The solar system is actually kind of secret if you think about it because if it's packed up inside a fleet, you wouldn't have no idea until the fleet decides to deploy it, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah no, I granted, mean, it probably... Yeah, I would yeah. assume it takes a long time, right? I yeah, mean, that's that's true too. But I mean, you know, you could conceivably do it within a battle, like we yeah. saw at uh, Solomon. Yeah. So. Okay, so we're getting a lot of solar system love. If you have an opinion of which you'd rather have, the solar system versus the colony laser, would you know? Let us know which would you rather have. Comment below: colony laser, solar system. What team are you on? <laughs> that brings us to the end of the mailbag, Isaac. Do you have any other any other thoughts? Any other comments? If you have any questions or anything you want to ask us, just really leave a comment anywhere our podcast is available, whether it's YouTube or, you know, or even on the Twitter, whatever. We'll get to you in the future. Yeah. Yep. And as a reminder, you can leave a comment on YouTube, uh, Facebook, and our Twitter. You can reach us on Twitter at Colony Dropcast. Well, that'll wrap it up for a mail call episode. Hope you liked all the questions we got to and all the uh, the comments we responded to. Be sure to uh, like, comment, subscribe. We'll catch you next time with our next episode. See you later. Yeah, man, Will the One Mind Mind is a... Uh...
He's not having it, man. It's going to be terrible. I hope not. But he might be right. <laughs>